Welcome to Fountains of Splain, a weekly music podcast about the greatest, most underratedest band of all time, Fountains of Wayne. Welcome to our last episode. Kind of. Kind we should of, maybe. we should be clear right off the front. It's our last regular episode because there are 69 studio tracks on the five fountains of wayne albums and from the beginning of the show we said we're gonna do an ep- an episode on each of those songs and then we're gonna figure out some other stuff to do so don't worry we'll be back we're gonna figure out some stuff to do but yeah as far as like fountains of wayne songs go this is the last episode of this show this is the grand finale these are the fireworks yeah. we'll be this back this is the the car jumping through the hoop of fire like this is it we'll be back but this is our time to be dramatic this is our time to r- roll out the pomp and circumstance and 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 really make a big thing of it so there might be uh there might be a little denouement there might be a little epilogue after later yeah. but uh this is this is the boss battle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's the climb. The climax. No, it's not the climax. Whatever. It's the, the, it's the last page. The of, epilogue. Of, of, the culmination of the first book, and then maybe there will be a series. But this is the last page of the first book. This is our last song from the from all the studio albums. So just including studio albums, very last song. Before we proceed with being more dramatic uh, than we probably need to be, I want to tell everybody where they can find us online in case they want to send us uh, last-minute critiques, maybe. Send us an email that's like, hey, and this is like the 69th episode, but if you were going to do it again, here's what you could have done better. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can Never too late. You can email us. We're at fountainsofsplain at gmail.com. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at fountainsofsplain. In our show notes, we have uh, playlists that you can listen to. We have all of the artists that are featured on our mid-show break, which as of today, we do have an artist to spotlight today, will just be like a complete set podcast. Like I, Maybe we'll add to it in the future if whatever we do after this, we need a mid-show break and we need to fill it with music. But there should be roughly 69 songs on there uh, that are like all of the songs we featured. So that's like the culmination of kind of its own project which is really cool also we have the list in order now the final list in sequence of every fountains of wayne song we talked about in order and so if you don't shuffle that playlist if you just look at it in order you can see like oh that was their 15th episode that was the 35th episode it'll just be all the songs in order so the playlists are are set this is so cool Mm -hmm. and let's be clear that's um that's the only way you're allowed to listen to fountains of wayne's music now this is uh this is george lucas changing the star wars numbers like yeah like the first one becoming episode this is the this is now despite what the band wants you to think this is the correct sequence of songs this is this is Greedo shooting first. I, I think the living members of the band would agree with this order. I think they would. I think they're like, yeah, yeah. You know, we were getting a little tired of the chronological order and the and the album ordering we chose and curated and selected. Um, this is mm. this is a new era. This is Neo Wayne. A playlist right. that defies the weak constructs of time and space. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, really puts it in the in the twenty first century. If I catch you putting radiation vibe on first <laughs> instead of everything's ruined, uh, 
we're gonna have a problem. We're gonna have words. We're gonna. There's gonna be a big problem. We're gonna go to the subreddit and complain. Um. Okay. So anyway, you could find all that stuff there. I think that's all. All we need to say up front. Am I forgetting any of our regular pre-show rigmarole? It's so weird because like we don't, we don't have to do it like. There's no countdown. There's no like. The, We've got you know, space like, to fill. Plug? Yeah, we got space this to fill. This is a good so. problem to have. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um. I mean, I just kind of want to ask you both. Like, how are you feeling on this, the final episode, regular episode of Fountains of Splain? I well, first of all, I think this is like the first episode we've ever recorded that I'm not nervous for. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, it's like it's number sixty nine. It's the last one, and I'm finally like, okay, like I get how to do this. I like sign on ten minutes early. I plug all my stuff in. I blah, blah, blah. um, so no nerves associated with this episode. I've been thinking a lot back to like 2016, 2017 when podcasts were first first starting to breach sort of cultural awareness like I know they've kind of been around since like 2011 2012 I, I, I don't I don't really know <laughs> um what earlier, yeah much earlier, earlier. Much my earlier. fucking god yep. yeah iTunes no. they came out like with iTunes what podcast oh my god with the iPod what I had no idea okay so they started to pierce my cultural awareness which is not at all a litmus test for real cultural awareness or everybody's understanding of the zeitgeist um uh so in in 2016 2017 and I remember um working at the hardware store in Northampton and a guy there who I knew to have a crush on me came in and he was wearing earphones and one of my favorite questions if somebody is wearing earphones is what are you listening to? Because I have always made the association of somebody walking around wearing earbuds as a music lover, as a person who cannot not be listening to music as they walk about the earth and they're on the go. So any human being I see is probably as is to some degree as obsessed with music as I am if they're walking around with headphones on like I feel like that used to be a real tell like 80s through the 2010s and then all of a sudden it was like okay you could be listening to a podcast and I had this real life resentment for podcasts in like 2015 to 2017 when I first found out about them because so so anyways to finish the story I asked this guy what are you listening to and he told me he was listening to a podcast and I was like oh it's the death of that like you're not listening to like your favorite thing I mean, you you are. You're listening to a different kind of favorite thing, but you're you're not listening to like fucking uh, Bon Jovi or The Carpenters, and I can't like find out something about you that way. You're just like well, I'm listening to a podcast, and I was like, uh, oh, like that visual cue is gone for me forever. Like I'm not necessarily talking but but anyways anyways now I'm like a person and I like podcasts and I host a podcast and obviously I've I've come around from that place, but I've been meditating a lot on those feelings. Um, and like the construct of headphones and what they mean, um, a lot in these final days and, and now being a person who has melded, uh, my obsession for music into a podcast that people can listen to in headphones. Um, yeah, that's those, that's a lot. Um, but those are sort of, those are some of my feelings in association with this moment. Uh, do you, do you want to know what that piece of reflection reminds me of what's Uh, that um i I, over like the early days of lockdown um debbie harry of blondie released a memoir and i read it 
And at the very end, I think the last chapter, it's like a 400-page memoir. And at the very end, she has a chapter called Hands. And it's just her, like, talking about what hands mean to her. And, like, it's kind of weird because it feels like, why are you talking about hands right now? But then by the end of the chapter, you're, like, sort of almost crying because you're like, this is so left field but so reflective of a, of a journey somehow mm-hmm. and uh that uh reflection on what headphones mean uh yes. in the cultural and personal landscape of podcasts and uh, just audio and listening. radio and music I, and listening is, is i love that because i do i think about headphones all the time especially like i mean i guess I don't I won't say especially but you know growing up from borrowing your parents headphones when you're a kid those like ones that had like a single plastic band and then the padded foam ears and they were kind of smaller padded foam ears maybe and they always slid off your head one because you were young two because those are bad headphones uh two like uh the iPod Nano or whatever or the iPod Classic or whatever you had and those little sleek new headphones with the bubble pods and and the bubble pods that you buy last minute that the Hudson News when you go to the train station and you forgot your headphones and now AirPods and I like think about all of the from and like if you are a person who wears beats or wears over the ear headphones or cans like I I think a lot about that and I used to go I used to go around and I'd walk by because I can't I'm like just a stimulation junkie and I can't not be listening to music tv something like I have to have something in my ears and eyes like I must be feasting on visual senses at all times and uh because of that I found like a lot of camaraderie and people who do it too and find a lot of camaraderie but now I drive down the street and I sing in my car and I'm like there's nothing to be embarrassed about because nobody doesn't have headphones on yeah it used to be a real like ah you're a kind of person if you have headphones you know now everybody's overstimulated and needs a constant like IV (laughs) media hooked up at all times so right right that's uh yeah it's very um so that's a really long form answer but that's that's some stuff uh, Ryan, how are you feeling on the last episode of Fountains of Splain? Um, I feel good. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I like originally had jumped onto this show. I was a listener. You know, I, I, I was listening to the first couple episodes of you guys just like talking, and every week I would wait for the new Fountains of Splain. And uh, yeah, I, I, I jumped on this show. I think we were talking earlier about episode eleven uh, was when I officially came on as 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 producer. And, you know, I came on with the the purpose of, like, I really wanted to, uh, I've, you know, similar to Grace, like, I've been listening to podcasts a long time. Um, uh, you know, I got an iPod in 2005. I remember listening to Ask a Ninja podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, I v- back vaguely in the- remember Dude, that. Dude, I'm still getting over the fact that podcasts existed then. Like, I still have to digest that. Yep. So I've been listening to podcasts for a while. I really like them. I listen to them a lot in my spare time. But I, I always wanted to work on one. I always wanted to like be a part of one. And um, just like from working on this show, I have learned so much about like producing and running a podcast and editing audio and all these kinds of things. And uh, I've realized that I have like a love for AV technology um, by working on this show. And um Actually, at the moment, I, I've been a bit of a, been applying to some jobs uh, in like the AV field, so I'm hoping to maybe kind of take it into a career. So because of Fountains of Splain, I and and I and when I go on these job interviews and they ask me about my experience with audio and things like that, I can tell them I've been working on a podcast for the past year and a half. I'm the producer, the editor, etc. And that's actually that actually like 
holds a lot of water, which I didn't think it, it actually would, <laughs> but um, I'm kind of worried because like this show has been like a really good conversation starter with people when they're like, oh, what do you do? I tell them, I tell them about the show. Um, and now that it's done, what am I going to tell people? Uh, so I feel like we kind of have an incentive to continue podcasting and continue making things and uh, otherwise I won't have anything to tell people. <laughs> yeah, otherwise <laughs> now I'll have to, to like make small talk when I talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah, now I'll have to tell people how I'm doing, which is off yeah, limits. Instead of being yeah. like, I have a niche interest music podcast. I don't know, you should check it out. What about you, Tyler? <laughs> well, it, kind of in the nature of conversation starters, um, I think the the way I mostly feel is just very proud because as we have talked about before on this show, uh Grace and I have known each other for a long time, and we have had a lot of sort of zany, harebrained ideas for projects, whether they were uh, when we were in theater school, they were for, like, avant-garde theater pieces or for like short you films. Should, you should eat a Bible in the shower in the, in the, in the locker room. I don't care that you're a person of faith. Yeah, we got Why uh, won't you do my idea? <laughs> Yeah, we had to leave college to get people to eat, eat Bibles for us. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, so, so of our colleagues were not yeah. were not about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we had a lot of a lot of zany ideas, and and this was one we had in the kind of before the pandemic even started, and then when the pandemic started, it was like, okay, well, we're literally not doing anything else, so this feels like a good time to like make this crazy podcast we've been talking about, where we discuss every single Fountains of Wayne song. <laughs> And every time we told people, they were like, every single fan. We were like, yeah, every single fan's doing song. Um, and making the show has been just such a joy, like such a weekly uh, joy that we get to participate in. And the fact that now with this episode, like, we actually did it, you know, like... Now when people ask, like, oh, what are you doing? Rather than saying, well, I have this niche music interest podcast that you should check out. I can say, well, we have this in a way like complete product that is that's like done like we have this thing this archive this library that you can look up and you can find a conversation about every single studio track by the band Fountains of Wayne a thing that no one yeah. else has has done you yeah. know like it's we finally have done like this a, thing that no one unit, else has done a resource yes we didn't we didn't peter out halfway through yeah, and that's the thing. We're like early on in like a podcast project. Like, I don't know, we could have done 25 episodes of the show and been like, all right, like, you know, pandemic restrictions are loosening. It's more possible to go outside. We're we have other wildly stuff. depressed. Yeah, <laughs> we have new jobs. Depression. Like, yeah, new jobs, life changes. My cat got diabetes. Like, <laughs> yeah, things happen, you know, and just the fact that we actually did the the show and stuck with it and found a way to put out an episode every week uh even if the episode was a patreon special to, to buy us time uh mm -hmm. we were we were still able to uh get something on the feed and mm -hmm. actually do this thing so yeah i feel just like uh super proud of us and yeah, uh grateful to you guys for yeah. being here and doing this. this is the thing we couldn't have done by ourselves i think i would not have stuck with this if it was just me doing it by myself so holding each other accountable mm -hmm. be propping each other up supporting each other and yeah. just doing this thing we've uh mm -hmm. we actually did this 
and uh, we got to have some great podcasting adventures together. We went to Glens Falls, New York <laughs> together yeah. to make podcast content. We recorded an Airbnbs, uh, and yeah. we've recorded yeah. this show in like seven or eight different states. Like we have, have just always uh, found a way to make this show happen. So, and, and I just want to say too, like for anybody out there that's listening, like if you have a stupid idea for a podcast or something that you think is a stupid idea for a podcast, fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Like, just just do unless it. You're like, just, just, yeah, unless you're Joe Rogan. Unless you're Joe Rogan. Just start recording yourself just just doing it because you never know, like, what's going to happen and you never know where it's going to go and you, you never know who's going to listen. And it's, it's, it's great. And if you ever need any help or any pointers or any guidance, uh, email us at fountainsesplain at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will answer, I will answer your questions. Yeah. If you want to make a podcast, I will, I will help you with that. Uh, cause I think there needs to be more, uh, bad idea fueled yeah i think there needs to be podcast more yeah, like grassroots yeah. diy podcasts like a part of what you were saying about the miracle of us doing all of this is like this was not never our primary income like we all point to podcasts we love where those podcasters are able or like luckily amazing good for them are able to turn that into their primary fuel source of income this isn't even a secondary or tertiary form. <laughs> yeah, of right. This is like, oh, I got like $6 every two months. Fuck yeah. Um, or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The fact that we were able to like fuel ourselves on like truly passion alone. And, and I think this way about like intrusive thoughts, mental illness, all of the stuff that just gets like, I grew up an only child, all of the shit that gets locked inside your head that you're like, I'm weird, I'm weird, I'm weird, I'm a freak, I'm a freak, I'm a freak. And then you say it out loud once to one person and they're like, I feel that way too. Lots of people do. You know, like I think that way about this podcast too. It's like, oh, we're big Fountains of Wayne fans and we kind of wonder what the songs are about sometimes. And there are all these song analysis podcasts, but none about Fountains Wayne for some reason not even a song or two and and um this would make me happy if this existed so maybe it will make somebody else happy and it like it made a couple hundred people really happy and like I'm proud that we were able to make that kind of impression on the earth like especially especially now in the past couple of weeks where it feels like everything is like the ultimate tragedy, the worst thing that's ever happened, except over and over again, cyclically through time, all the time, just like feels like we're living in a bad universe sometimes. Just to do something like totally harmless and playful and in some cases helpful and for us cathartic and hopefully for you cathartic. Um, Yeah, yeah, there ain't nothing wrong with this and you can do it too. Yeah, for sure. Um, this feels like as good a time as any. We we wanted to just kind of like give out a couple of thank yous before we move on to our Valley of Malls conversation. And we should say that like in the nature of an awards show uh, rattling off thank yous, uh, these thank yous are definitely going to be incomplete uh, because there are truly dozens of people who have improved this show somehow or have made the experience of making this show easier or more pleasant and have just supported us and and been uh our champions of this weird show we do so we're gonna rattle off some thank yous um if you don't hear your name uh trust us we are also thanking you and in the uh vein of fountains of wind self-titled album where they referred to their thank you section as suggested baby names 
here are some suggested baby names. Kirsten and Darren, who wrote our theme song, thank you so, so much. We, like, may not have ever had a theme song if you hadn't done that. So super cool for us. Sofa City Sweetheart, our friend since the beginning. A lot of the uh, the musicians that contributed music, so I'm only going to name a few here, just people that we've really kept up a relationship with. There are others, I'm sure, again, we're forgetting, but Scoopski, Jonathan Pushkar, uh, Charlie Weber, uh, 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 all, all the musicians we featured really at the end of the day. Mara, who did our sign-off music, Waniacs Out, incredible. Claire did the graphic for our show. So we may have never started <laughs> if she hadn't done that. So thank you so much, Claire. Um, Martha Banta and ATF. We had the opportunity to go meet the cast of Traffic and Weather and meet Martha Banta, this amazing theater director, and give them our stickers. And, and we kept up with them a little bit. Uh, through Instagram and Jody Porter, thank you for coming on the show and entertaining this. Um, I'm sure almost embarrassingly self-referential for you podcast and and talking with us about it. And um, April, his manager, and God, so many more. If I'm forgetting any, uh, you guys definitely sing them out. Um, if I forgot you, send us an angry message. Of course, you know how to reach us from before. Uh, and we also wanted to do something a little special for our last episode. We are going to thank the members of the VIP Acela Lounge up front because this just feels like as good a time as any to do that. Um, so let me, uh, on behalf of the show, give you all um, just like a super big thank you because uh, even if you just give us a dollar or two, um, it just feels nice to uh, be supported and we still can't believe that anybody cares enough about our show to <laughs> donate tiny amounts of money to us thank you to mallory stewart rachel hart kieran dunbar la pontiff john la Follette, and eric gandalf and uh john la Follette is also a musician he's in the fountains of wayne tribute band um i forgot to list him with the musicians as well as des rock study yeah, big thank you to uh, to those guys, um, and uh, yeah, and just and personal friend thank you to Eric Gandalf oh. because he is our friend in real life. And he was the biggest when we talk about our friends who didn't want us to do this show. Eric was our absolute biggest naysayer, and in true friend form, was like, "Actually, I'm going to." convert into being your biggest fan for a podcast that celebrates my least favorite band and um i'm going to support you on patreon and i know i just i just dogged us for not making that much money but i we wouldn't have been able to do this podcast without the people who donate to our patreon so thank you thank you thank you we wanted to give you an extra shout out up front and now we should move on for the very first time into a song that we know what it is yeah no countdown necessary we are talking about The Valley of Malls, capital T there. I always call it Valley of Malls. It's actually The oh, Valley right, of Malls. Right. We're driving, we're driving in The Valley of Malls.
Bluebird by the Young Love Scene. You've probably noticed the past few episodes have been us returning to some of the artists that uh, we featured in the beginning of the run. Behind the scenes, we, we've kept up with these artists for the most part and have sort of a relationship with them. So I thought it would be cool to come back sort of a year later and see if they have new releases. So this is the latest single by the Young Love Scene, one of my favorite artists we've ever featured. And I'm so glad we get to include him in this quote unquote last episode. Okay, so Valley of Malls, the last song for Fountains of Splain. Um, a song that I know we all uh, really, really like. One that I have looked forward to talking about for the entire run of this show. Uh, and now here it is. We finally get to talk about it. Before we do, it's track five on Utopia Parkway. It clocks in at three minutes and 23 seconds. And it is between track four, Hat and Feet, and track six, Troubled Times. So, Valley of Malls. Yeah, Valley of Malls. One of my favorite songs. Um, my third favorite song, I think, according to our top 10 episode. Uh, something we used to do on this show is kind of commiserate about whether this was an Adam Schlesinger song or a Chris Collingwood song. And I think it's probably best to get it from one of the horse's mouths. Here's Jody Porter answering that question for us. Valley of Malls is one of Chris's songs off Utopia Parkway. One of my favorites, along with Amity Gardens from that record. We had a break after the touring cycle in 97 to uh, relocate to Northampton, Massachusetts. I moved up first with my girlfriend and Chris and his wife moved up about three months after. As soon as he was situated, we did a demo of that song together. And it has a really cool zombies-esque type of call and response guitar pattern. I always liked that one. Wow, so that was, we, we got here. It's a Chris Collingwood song. We don't even have to have a debate. We don't really do that anymore anyway. That was an early feature of the show, the debating if it was a Chris or an Adam penned song. And yeah, we. I mean, this one's cleared up. I think it went away because it became easier to tell. Like as we started doing it, we were able to be like, okay, this is a Chris one. This, this is an Adam one. And here's why, instead of just in the beginning when we were guessing. Also, the more we talk to people and the more we read and research, we're finding out the like, oh, yeah, we, we already we already know who wrote these. And they just really at some point started doing the Beatles thing and like were like, all of it's John Lennon with Bob McCartney, all of it's Chris Collingwood and Adam Schlesinger. Like they really just started using the ampersand at some point and then, and then it got lost. Um... But I, I'm kind of, I don't know, there's a part of me that's truly surprised by the that answer. Like, there's a part of me that was, like, right down the middle, this could be Adam or this could be Chris, because he's clearly talking about a stretch of highway in New Jersey. It's, like, hard to imagine a, a second song about a stretch of highway in New Jersey, or, not uh, or like, in the tri-state area. Um, it didn't come from Adam Schlesinger. Like this, this is one of the songs and I guess it feels perfect that this is our last one because it's so delicately, uh, uh, toes that line, I think. And it could have been an Adam song because like Jody says in that, that audio clip, it is such a, uh, sort of zombies pastiche. Like to, I never noticed that. And then when Jody pointed it out, I went and I listened to a couple of zombie songs and it's, it's a zombie song like the Valley of yeah. Malls. It's like a really great nineties or early two thousands version of a song from 1966. It has all of the elements of a zombie song. It's got a groovy bass. Uh, like Jody said, it's got the call and response uh, with the guitar. It's got this like eclectic, interesting percussion. And it's just groovy. It's like sixties kind of psychedelic grooviness. Uh, 
and it, it's very Adam to do a song that is, you know, like how we talk about Stacey's mom is a car song. You know, they, they uh, love their influences and uh, were totally comfortable just sort of like making riffs on those influences at, to great effect. Like, I think, you know, they, they stole from the greats, uh, from the best and made that work. And uh, all of their songs were always fountains of Wayne songs, like at the end of the day, but just kind of like really spun influences in a really... Uh, productive way but yeah it's weird that it was chris that would take this influence and spin it this way and valley i thought it was an adam song because the valley of malls to me seems like a reference to the 1967 movie uh valley of dolls Mm. so i don't know like i kind of thought like oh it's a it's a fun little reference and it's a zombies uh kind of tribute song like and it's about like all the you know all the gotta be adam but no it's chris i have a quote that i found uh of chris talking about what the song is about and it's interesting because my assumption was always that the valley of malls was in new jersey i even uh just unearthed a retro review uh, that punknews.org put out from a couple of years ago where they described it being about, uh, quote, eight major shopping malls in a 20-mile radius, uh, unquote, uh, in northern New Jersey, which is how I always interpreted it because I'm from New Jersey. And if you drive the farther north you drive in New Jersey, you will just notice, like, truly there's a valley of malls. There's just malls everywhere, even now in a kind of post-malls era uh they're still there they they aren't going away in new jersey anytime soon but there's this quote from chris where he says the valley of mall says haven't you noticed there's malls all over the place which i noticed when i moved up to massachusetts when i lived in new york i never even thought about a mall then i moved up there and noticed there's this whole culture surrounding this culture of consumerism that doesn't exist in cities end quote so it's this commentary about the suburbs which it kind of naturally feels like a New Jersey thing because New Jersey is like nothing if not one gigantic suburb of Philadelphia and New York uh, with a couple of cities tucked in. But yeah, maybe he wrote this more about the mall scene in Massachusetts, which I find really surprising. Well, that's super interesting. First of all, the expression Valley of Malls, which is just all occurring to me in this moment, is so beautiful. When you think about a roadway and on either side, as you drive up a roadway, there are sort of malls littering either side of it like mountains. And the road you're on is simply the valley in between those mountains, like such a lovely way to refer to it in a general sense and comments on it being Massachusetts instead of New. That's I mean, that's incredibly fascinating, but there's something true about that. There's like this, there's this really overt sense of consumerism in New York, but like individualized, like it's like, like a way that I used to differentiate, like being from Boston and being a transplant in New York used to be like Boston. I mean, everywhere is consumeristic because we live in America, but Boston is much more historical and New York is like advertisements and buy this and buy that and here's a Starbucks and here's this and here's every major corporation you could possibly see three times on every street like um and yeah in Massachusetts it's it's Duncan's (laughs) (laughs) just Duncan's yeah just Duncan's as far as the eye can see the valley of the Duncan Donuts um but yeah like yeah I there is uh, I don't know. That's an, uh, that's interesting. I'm sort of just processing all of that, but there we're just we're just processing in real yeah. time. It's Chris in that quote, which I think that interview, by the way, is from like 1999. It's like wow. in the press cycle for Utopia Parkway, and 
he's saying that there's this culture of consumerism in the suburbs that doesn't exist in the cities, which are more kind of like culturally highbrow or something but now i think like over 20 years later in new york city new york city like is one big shopping mall like if you go anywhere uh, within like a mile of the hudson yards complex Mm -hmm. which literally features a shopping mall like a suburban style shopping mall but just for luxury brands it's like the worst uh confluence of new york city impulses to uh take the thing from the suburbs but make it only for the one percent it's it's this whole different thing where really like the valley of malls could almost be about new york city now and uh you think too like i mean just like jody said um they they made this demo very shortly after moving up to northampton massachusetts right so like it's that's a very specific part of massachusetts too like out out in western mass and you know when he talks about like that suburb culture sort of revolving and being anchored by malls it makes me think a lot about like very northern new england too places like vermont uh new hampshire and maine where like everybody shops at the walmart you know because like that's just you 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 can just get everything there like you know you drive an hour in you shop at walmart and you drive an hour back to wherever you go like and how much that just that like kind of consumerism like anchors these rural communities yeah. Well, also with with you have me thinking with New York, it's like there's this culture of consumerism, but it's also like most of the people who live there are locked out of it. You know, like the one percent is kind of involved or, you know, like the one to 15 percent, whatever you want to call it, is like kind of involved in that. But like most of the people who like actually live in or around New York are just like trying to get by. Like they don't really have the room to be more consumerist than the average person or more elite or more like into that sort of thing than the average person where yeah, it is It is this sort of, like, rich man's activity of, like, um, this, like, rich suburban man's activity of, like, driving in somewhere, driving to somewhere um, to visit the mall. Um, super interesting. Um, I also just want to point out that, like, commentary about shopping malls at any point in history, but especially at this point, perhaps at the apex of the shopping mall's relevance during the, uh, like, 90s, <laughs> you know? Uh, 90s and early 2000s is probably peak for shopping malls. Uh, there's a lot of commentary about, like, American consumerist and capitalist culture, and a lot of it is really obvious and sort of like, okay, we get it, this stuff is kind of vapid and uh, it plays into our, like, worst American impulses. I think this is an actually really, really well kind of articulated point about shopping malls which is that there really is no point other than that people flock to them uh in these sort of odysseys that the song is kind of an odyssey of people like in caravans flocking to the mall and it doesn't feel like like the in a true Collingwood fashion, the writing of it is kind of like literary and like beautiful and interesting and mysterious. Uh, and I think a lesser songwriter would have been like, "Yeah, you go to the mall and you like go to Auntie Anne's and then you like buy a T-shirt from like Abercrombie, you like normie sellout." <laughs> but it's not that. It's like way, way more yeah. interesting than that. It's kind of the, the yeah. smartest and coolest version of the capitalist mall critique. Uh, I think like up there with dawn of the dead i i think of these things in tandem yeah 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 capitalist consumerist 
um, sort of like representation flagships of what uh, what the worst parts of America are that we all go to. It's like, you know, it's like as much as like it, you talk about consumerism and being locked out of certain things and people being rich and people being poor. The Walmart was attached to our mall growing up, you know, like there is an option for everybody at a mall. And at the end of the day, it's just like a fucking watering hole. At, at this point, I kind of want to ask, like, what do malls mean to you guys? Like in talking about why the Valley of Malls is my favorite, one of my favorite fountains of Wayne songs. Like, I think that's an important place that I pull from. I mean, I grew up in central New Jersey and five minutes from a major shopping mall. So like in a way I have grown to be like sort of cynical about the mall to be like, ah, like the mall. It, it like kind of, uh, I think the place that Collingwood's writing from being like, wow, these things are everywhere around here. And uh, I mean, there's a lot, been a lot of kind of like, uh, if you're from the area that I am from and you are of a certain age, you talk about how when the mall came to our area, it destroyed the local economy for small business owners because everybody just went to the mall and like then everything around the mall became a strip mall and the sort of like small town Americana version of New Jersey died like in that moment, basically. At the same time, in the sort of like guilty pleasure sort of way, I feel kind of like... I don't know, uh, comf- comforted at the mall. Like, I try to not go there, kind of. But when I end up at a shopping mall, it, like, the familiar kind of, like, sensory parts of it, the way that, like, the food court smells or, like, the smells of per- perfume and cologne wafting out of the stores and the kind of comfortable temperature and the pleasant music, there's something that kind of just reminds me of, like, being a kid and, like, going to the mall with my parents. So, like... A thousand percent. I, I feel, like, comforted at the mall, but also... Yeah, it's definitely a, a double a double sensation of how I feel about it. Yeah, I used to I used to really love going to the mall um, when I was a kid because uh, there was there was fun stuff there. You know, like you it it was it was big. There were a lot of people, um, and even like growing up, like we didn't like we would just go to the mall and walk around a lot too. Like yes. oh, I, yeah. I, I just to look at stuff. You know, like go into stores and, and and look at things that we couldn't afford to buy look and... at things and touch things and make fun of things yeah yeah and then as i got older like i became a teenager that would be a place that like my parents would would drop us off at and then we would just kind of like fuck around for a while and then um and then get picked up and probably yelled at or something like that yeah but, oh yeah uh yeah and then as i got older and like online shopping became more of a thing like i didn't even like realize it one day i just like completely had stopped going to malls yeah i probably what most people's experience is that the mall was this constant for them this place that they uh went at least once a week or once a month or something and then all of a sudden just kind of stopped going because it became easier to shop from home yeah i used to go to this one mall near me basically every single weekend when i was a kid um because they had a store there called uh games workshop which sells warhammer models and also has tables for playing warhammer in so that's just like a local hangout spot but it was within the mall nice um so i would spend a lot of time there and see kids from school who would walk by and laugh at me as i (laughs) was playing with little plastic toy soldiers uh in the games workshop but yeah so i i spent a i spent a lot of time in malls uh as a kid yeah, it was definitely a place where you got dumped at the uh, by your parents uh, out of the car, and then yeah, in those yeah. like 
teen or preteen years where you like don't have any money but you have like a shred of independence for the first time so you can walk around and be by yourself or with your friends uh but it's not like you have any more than like five dollars to spend yeah 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 basically the same for me i mean dissimilarly from tyler like i said the mall was 20 minutes from me like any mall was or highway was 20 minutes from me where i was and so the mall was really like the specialty experience you have childhood where you like sit in traffic for with your mom all day and um like you go and you like shop for back to school clothes or something like that and you're like kind of miserable but you also get to go to mcdonald's and get a happy meal and you're like fuck yeah and then you have this alternate experience of like being a teenager or a teenager and like not being able to drive and having your parents drop you off there but for me it was 20 minutes away so it was this like big spectacular like gang in the mall or like manipulating a friend to drive you to the mall and our mall I think Ryan had a similar experience was also like right next of our movie theater like our one of the only movie theaters we could go to same my first date was at the mall same um wow yeah it was to see so, Iron Man. Oh, mine was um, Night at the Museum 2. <laughs> I saw that on a date as well. It wasn't the first one, but I definitely saw that on a date. At the mall. Oh, it wasn't the first one. At the Tyler AMC. Started, Tyler started dating when he was like five. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. Not 14. I got, you, like I got you both beat. I saw a B movie on a date. As your first date? No. I'm like, oh. that movie came out too late for that to be your first date, I think. That was like 2007. Yeah, oh, no, that's, okay. that's, in, really? that's in there, yeah. Okay, okay, Jerry, I see you. Um, it, yeah, I think this song, okay, to get to the song, really, it's like super well-constructed. I love that it starts being like the journey to the mall, and then secondary is kind of like your journey in the mall. Um, I think we also have to get into one of the most perplexing lines in the song that me and Tyler have been talking about and referencing and thinking about since we started this podcast, really. Uh, the king of Araby. Who is he? What's Araby? I did some research. You did some research. What do we think? I think I fi- finally kind of uncovered this. And I, it, yeah, I, I think I, think I might Ryan, know what it is yeah, too. Yeah, it, it took together. literally going to Spark Notes when you when we started this <laughs> podcast. If somebody would have told me we would be doing research on Spark Notes in order to understand the lyrical nuances of Fountains of Wayne. Uh, I mean, even we, fans of the band, would have been surprised by that. But truly, the band just has so many tricks up their sleeves right, lyrically. Right. Yeah. Araby is a short story by James Joyce. Yes. Uh, yeah. we by, And I think it's actually very appropriate that this episode comes after our Yours and Mine episode. Because we know from the Chris Collingwood, presumed Chris Collingwood penned song Yours and Mine, that on Sunday mornings he reads the New York Times book review. So he's a literary guy. He loves books. Makes sense that he reads Joyce. So... Anyway, uh, Araby's this short story by James Joyce. Uh, in the story, according to Spark Notes, Araby is a Dublin shopping bazaar. So, in the context yeah. of the quote, the king of Araby is coming home today, it is somebody who sees themselves as the king of the shopping mall. Somebody yeah. who who the Barracuda in the Guppy Bomb. Exactly. Yeah. They are the the best at shopping mall, which I think is such a funny way to look at <laughs> mm-hmm. uh the kind of pro tag for the song. Very communal experience of going to the mall. It's like you have so much competition for this for this kingship. Yes, yeah, so I I actually was able to find uh, a, a little bit of a write up um, actually, on the Wikipedia for Araby, um, we lean heavily on Wikipedia here. But it says, 
The narrator cannot wait to go to the Araby Bazaar and procure for his beloved some grand gift that will endear him to her. But the Araby market turns out to not be the most fantastic place he had hoped it would be. Mm. It is late. Most of the stalls are closed. The only sound is the fall of coins as men count their money. So uh, the protagonist of the short story is very much not the king of Araby and could really learn from the protagonist of the Valley of Malls. That's right. Could he? Yeah, yeah. this character could have really used uh, the album Utopia Parkway. Yeah. It's, it's so... <laughs> It has me meditating on this whole idea. You kind of brought it up earlier of, of uh, like, oh, the malls came. The mall is this new fangled collection of corporate ventures pulling business away from mom and pops. And it's like, bro, the mall has always existed. Like, the mall was just the bazaar when James Joyce was writing. You know, like, there is always, I mean, I mean, it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not defending capitalism. I'm never defending capitalism, but, but, um, yeah, it's just an amalgamation and like and I and we I think are having an experience as people who are kind of like com coming of age into like adulthood as opposed to adolescence where we're like we grew up with the mall or at least I am. I don't know if you relate to this being from Jersey because I think malls are still sort of like very much like a healthy thriving thing at this point in Massachusetts, at least where I'm from, the malls are dead. All of the malls are gone, hollowed out, most of them. And they're getting replaced by these like outdoor shopping centers for the clearly fucking like marketed at the super rich of like only like luxury elite stores. But they're like, you can walk around and they like pipe classical music over the telephone poles. And it's like this weird, you know, it's a mall, but it's outside. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to do at Christmas? It's cold out here anyway. Um, so I'm having like that that moment of like adulty fucking nose in the air, the past or new generations disillusionment, and it's so funny to hear about somebody from a James Joyce short story walking around the bazaar with disillusionment, being like, "I came here because it was something fun to do on a Saturday or something. I was I was supposed to get my fucking crush something here, but it's not as good as I thought it would be, and everything kind of sucks, and it kind of feels like shit." Like, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny that th these things are universal and timeless in a way and uh just amazing that collingwood would be sitting down saying i want to write a song about all of the shopping malls i see in my area and to do that i am going to draw from a james joyce short story zero percent of my audience is going to understand this reference uh but if they read through the lyric booklet and they happen to want to look into it this is like pre-google too like there was no chance unless you like studied james joyce at school you weren't gonna understand the araby reference so mm. i think there's something kind of cool True. about like tucking that in as a very like if you know you know uh sort of sort of reference there's these other points of like lyrical genius here one of my favorite fountains of wayne lyrics ever is fighting for the freedom from a common bond to be a barracuda in a guppy pond like come on that's an amazing rhyme that's an amazing you, turn of phrase you and i have that in common that's one of my favorite lines what what is it I, 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 what does it mean does it mean you're different from is it like i'm going after the thing that is like the most different that makes me different from everybody does it mean you're carnivorous and you're shopping exploits like you're first in line at the sale rack and you're throwing elbows and you don't care about other people's feelings you just want the thing does it mean that you're better than everybody else does it mean you're better at shopping does it mean the clothes you picked are cooler more expensive like i don't even there's a part of me that's like still perplexed by it 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's basically it, though. Like, you go to the mall and, like, you're the best at it, you know? You are <laughs> the one. If there's, like, limited sales, like, first yeah. 100 people get the sale or whatever, like, yeah. you're the one. You uh, you beat the lunch rush at the food court. You got all the best sales. You have a penny for the fountain every time. <laughs> Which is hilarious when you think about... Like when we were growing up, like I, like I went to the mall a lot, but I shopped pretty exclusively at thrift stores, and that was me being. I mean, that I still do that. Like I, I stand by that. But I was like, I'm different, you know. Like I'm different because I get my clothes from like old ladies' closets from a yeah. million years ago, and like the things you get at the mall are all mass produced, and anyone can get them. <laughs> so the idea that you would like stand out by purchasing anything at the mall is kind of like a hilarious implication. You know, I wanted to say that um, the, the the more we're talking about this like the more we're talking about malls and bazaars and things like that um you know when you study music history uh and, and you and you really look into that you real like you you begin to start rolling your eyes every time people talk about like oh new music is so bad nowadays because you realize that like that's been said in every single year since the dawn of mankind yes. like in the year two people were complaining about how new music is the end of you know like and so people are like no this is it rap is the end it's like shut the fuck up so and now i feel that way about malls because like yeah um turns out people uh like to buy all their things in the same place they find that convenient and they've always because found that is. convenient yeah. Yeah, because it is. Uh, so when you're like, oh, malls are the end of the online shopping is the end of the. No, it just put all the fucking shops together. Just 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 put them all near each other. Just, you know, like I don't want to have to drive all the way around to get. That's not a new idea. That's not groundbreaking. That's not anything to society. Uh, you know, like it's just that's just time. That's just how it fucking works. Like things change like, it's like the problem is enough. like make yeah. the rent in the mall space affordable enough that like a small business could also thrive there but well it's shopping online because you can just sit at your computer and buy everything you know like it's just it's just the next level of that like mm -hmm. it's not i don't know something else will come after this and it will be different and it will be even more centralized music will change malls will change society changes like it's yeah it's gonna be okay Whatever the new thing is, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be just fine. All right, who has a bad idea? I have a bad idea. Um, I think that people should write books for cats. How would that go? Um, like you, you write a book that is about things that your cat would like, and then you read it to them. Oh, okay. But you don't like read it in meows. You read it with human language. Uh, yeah. Grace, do you have a bad idea? My bad idea, very Valley of Malls themed, if I do say so myself. I think that the business hours of operation sign that you see on the front of a, a coffee shop store, anything should be the size of, if not bigger than the name of the business. <laughs> I want to know driving by your store. If you're open, I don't want to have to fucking pull in, turn off my car, park, squint at the small, small print of your hours of operation. If you, I'm even so lucky to have been given that sign. Um, I think that's, a, that's, that's actually a fully good idea. Good idea. So sorry to sorry to change the format. Um, I need this from society. It's a bad idea for someone, like but a not blinking for me. green or red light on every business that you can see from far away. That's a that's a good idea. <laughs> blinking giant neon sign, like twelve to four. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. 
so my bad idea uh, stems from a real life bad idea that I noticed the last time I was at my local shopping mall, which is that now instead of stores, some of the uh, kind of former store fronts at the mall are these uh, kind of like Instagram experiences, like places you can go and take like pictures and short videos with like quirky wacky colorful backgrounds and oversized props and it's something we've seen like in new york city like museum of ice cream adjacent stuff and now it's reached the suburbs like it's fully in the shopping mall so my bad idea is to take that and just make the whole mall that it just charge everybody an admission fee and make every little room at the mall <laughs> a different highly instagrammable experience full of neon signs and oversized props and uh, just a bunch of whatever's trending, whatever's algorithm yeah, uh, yeah. bait. And uh, let's just skip. Because we can do all our, like you said, Ryan, we can do all our mall shopping on uh, the internet now. It's all centralized. It's all convenient. So, But what you can't do online is uh, put yourself in a room full of plants. So I think we need to go to uh, a big center for that. And and if you, if you want to date online, you can go and get all your tinder pictures all in one spot you can get the the one of you with the wine glass you can get the one of you standing next to the wall with the butterfly wings painted on it uh -huh. you can get yourself all the greatest the hits. of sunflowers you can do every single tinder picture and honestly, in one place like sell a photo package like have somebody have professional photographers there charge like 30 bucks for just like a bunch of really really well taken photos uh amongst these completely ubiquitous uh, and uh well uh well-worn scenarios Okay, so those were our bad ideas. Um, this feels a little weird because we already thanked our patrons, but once again, a huge shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you very much. Um, thank you to all our musicians. Thank you to everybody that contributed and helped to this podcast along the way. Um, so Tyler, do you have anything else to say? I think we pretty much set it all up top. Um, it's been a, it's been fun. It's been a complete joy to make this show. I'm so glad we have an episode now for every studio track by Fountains of Wayne, and we promise that we will be back uh, soon with something. We're not sure what it'll be yet, but uh, keep an eye on your podcast feed because uh, this is not the last you'll see of us. And thank you so, 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 so much to everybody who has listened to any of this show. Uh, we love you and uh, thank you so much. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you.